Welcome to Present Company, the Netflix podcast that brings you dynamic conversations with exceptional people behind your favorite series, films, documentaries, and specials. I'm your host, Krista Smith. For years, I was Vanity Fair's ambassador to Hollywood, interviewing countless actors as well as creatives and authorities across the spectrum. My passion is talent, any form of it. How do you know you have it? How do you cultivate it? How do you protect it? And also, I want to get to the heart of what drives it. On this podcast, I'll be talking to people in Hollywood and far beyond. Thank you for joining me. All right, settle in. Today, Linda Cardellini stops by to discuss the show everyone's been talking about, Dead to Me. She stars opposite Christina Applegate. It's a fascinating study of female friendship and a complex portrayal of grief. And I, like so many of you, was hooked from the first episode. It's all here. What it means to be part of a female-led project, stepping up to do the things that scare you most, and oh, also, we're going to talk about that TV show, Freaks and Geeks. Okay, we on? We're on? Yeah, we're on. We're, we're all rolling on. Are we good? Yeah. Uh, great to see you, Linda. Good to see you, too. You are having, it feels like, one hell of a moment right now. I'm knocking on wood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it 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 feels it feels great. I've had a lot of things sort of happen right now, or at least in the past six months. Is it six months now? Well, anyway, this past year, I would say, has been amazing. Um, a lot of things that I worked on sort of came out at once, and it just has been really fun. You know, not everything happens all at once usually, so— I think having covered Hollywood for for a long time, I always find you can't kill talent, you can't hide talent, and it's so in, interesting the rhythms of of people's careers. And I love that yours, like you said, in the last three months, you've had the Avengers, right? That mm-hmm. came out. Uh, obviously, that small little movie, yeah, yep, tiny little <laughs> shattered every tiny record. Indie. <laughs> I just yeah. was thinking, what was the limousine drop off for that premiere like? It must have just been a mile long. Basically, it was enormous. The the premieres are enormous. I mean, I, the first one I went to, the Age of Ultron, I thought, wow, I've never seen anything like this. We walked through so many people. All right, and then you had the horror film. I'm, I think I'm going to get this: The Curse of Lorena. Right? No, La <laughs> La Llorona. La La Llorona. Oh, so much better when you said it. <laughs> I mean, you know, there are people who can say it better than I do, but uh, that was really fun. That was the first time I was ever the lead of a studio film, mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure I was going to do a horror movie. I hadn't really done one. I think I did one early, early on, but I certainly wasn't the main character, and. Um, it came to me, and I I thought, here's a woman. Her husband is dead, so she's not just there to serve as, you know, as it's fine if you're a wife or a mother, but she's not just there to serve as the wife or a mother. And uh, the story was about a woman trying to protect her kids from another woman who has been haunting for centuries and who lost her children. So it's, And there's these three female arcs in the film, and if you count the daughter, there's four. Yeah, you rarely see that, too, in that horror genre all the different female points of view. I don't believe I've seen that before, but I'm not a huge horror person because these things scare the shit out of me. Like, I will live in a horror movie for weeks afterwards. I get terrified, but I also love it. It's a little bit like a roller coaster, the adrenaline rush of it. You do? Yes, you being it. in a movie theater and feeling that kind of, oh, no, don't do that, uh, you know, because inevitably you get angry at the characters for walking into the dark room and all of those kinds of things. But that was really fun. It felt really great to have gone out there sort of for the first time in my, you know, 
late 40s and to have been the star and then the movie to actually do well was, I was pinching myself. That's no small feat. And then you have a show, Dead to Me. Yes, then that came out the following week. (laughs) (laughs) Which is doing gangbusters. It's definitely, I hate to sound so, you know, analog, but the water cooler talk, everybody's talking about Dead to Me. And these two great characters, obviously, Christina Applegate plays Jen, you play Judy. It's just struck a chord. Really entertaining, very well-written, lots of uh, themes that everyone can relate to, some humor, the trauma, the drama, the, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, all of it. But really at the heart of it is two women, and they're in their 40s, and they have a complex relationship, to say the least. They definitely do. You think that they sort of happen upon each other, which isn't really the truth. And uh, everything you think is 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 not what it is. And to me, that was the really fun part about it. I mean, reading the script, seeing the two lead characters be two strong female co-leads who weren't interchangeable. They were completely separate from each other. Christina's character is so different from my character, but they need each other so much. And I feel like that's what friendship is like, you know? It's just sort of like you, you balance each other out in some which way. These two are unlikely friends. And I don't know, you know, I also think that's something to say about grief because you recognize grief. You can see it in somebody's face. And I feel like if you've ever gone through great grief, there's a comfort in having somebody next to you who's also gone through it. And I think, you know, that's what they think they're bonding over. And it is to some extent what it is. Well, it's a it's a language you only know it if you've been through it. Yeah, and I do think that that is. And very, it's a crappy language to have to learn. Yeah, but but honest, no one but gets yeah. away without having to know it at some point in their yeah. life. And I think what the creator did here was it it you know took the two characters and kind of dumped them in this blender with all this other stuff that's so fun and touching and it's a thriller really and a mystery but at the core of it you just love these women and you want to hang out with them and you want to be their friends and and your judy is so how can i say this she has uh no skepticism no cynicism nothing Mm -mm, she doesn't which was hard for me because typically that's not what i play i um always play a little bit more cynical or knowing or and uh and judy makes terrible choices she acts outside of her best interest a lot of the time, even though what she's doing seems to be within her own best. It seems selfish to some. To her, it's this selfless thing that she's doing to try to make reparations for this horrible thing that she's caused. Um, and there is no making yourself feel better for what she's done, and she's looking for it everywhere. And it was truly an accident for her. So I... I also like to think of what Judy would be like if she had never, that had never happened. She would still be dealing with her own grief. She would still be dealing with Steve, played beautifully by James Marston. Oh, he's so great. Um, and she would still be doing dealing with all of that. But I often wonder, did Judy have any friends before this? It doesn't seem like she has, you know, she has Abe where she works. Um, and I think she offers kindness everywhere she goes, but she often has the door slammed in her face. Yeah, it's interesting that she didn't land on anybody until she met Jen. What I also appreciated about this is you, within the first episode, you knew what happened. You knew that your character had caused the death of her husband, Jen's husband, and yet you both meet randomly in a grief group, like grief, grief group, support right? Group. A grief yeah. support group. Mm-hmm. And then you become fast friends and the rest, you, you're kind of waiting to see how all this is going to unfold. 
And obviously, Jen is Christina Applegate. I'm so lucky to have Christina as my partner. She's wonderful, you know, and and we're so free with each other, which we're really lucky. We really lucked into that. I think it's who she is and and who I am and the fact that they gelled. I think Jessica Elbaum, who knew us both, knew that that would happen. And I remember going in for my first meeting and Jessica saying, you're going to love Christina. Which we hadn't seen in a while and in a small screen. I know she had uh, done... You know, a few stuff. Obviously, she's Christina Applegate, but it's so great to see her back. I guess I can't even say on television. I don't know. Back in <laughs> back, in your living room. Back in your living room, yeah. right? Playing this character, and it's it's such a perfect fit. And I was kind of shocked to learn that you had never met before you met to do the show. No, we had never met. And How is that possible? Um, I mean, I'm sure we were probably at similar things at some point, but we never met. No, I mean, you know, a lot of times, too, the jobs that I get, there's me and maybe one other female in the cast. So what is that like to do this show and to be surrounded by women? You have a women showrunner. There's female directors. I love it. There is something special about having a community of women, especially because they're underrepresented voices in some ways. And, you know, a lot of people will talk about how Jen and Judy's friendship reminded them so much of their own friendship, even though it's convoluted and and crazy. And I think that's because it comes from the perspective of women writing about women's relationships. That, to me, makes the material special. And then on set, I think there's just a shorthand that women have with each other. And I think they, that we make allowances for things that otherwise people would think were messy, being emotional someday or, you know, any of that kind of stuff that would somehow considered not workplace behavior is accepted. And we know that you're a professional and, you know, yeah, maybe I just went and cried in the pantry, but I'm going to get back on set and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know all my lines and I'm going to be fine. I think we just understand each other. There's a, there's a wonderful community and, and, and support there. And I think that we're excited to champion each other. I mean, I can't speak for everybody. I only speak for myself. But it's something I'm excited about. And it's something that I want to root on and, and champion others in. Yeah, I'm excited by it, too. And I, I'm not an actor, but I see it on the other side. And I think that women, there's such girl-on-girl crime. And I think now there's been this reckoning where we realize, oh, yeah, we've got we've to support each other to keep this ball rolling and to keep the change happening. We have to be there for each other. We have to pull each other up. We have to hire each other. We have to cast each other. We have to mentor each other. And I think that that has been so significant in the last year and a half. And I feel like a show like this really shows it and how great it is and how complex female relationships are. And I love that. One of my favorite scenes in particular was midway through the season, Jen, she thinks her husband's having an affair and you're in this Mexican restaurant and Jen's drinking too much because she's so nervous as anybody would be. She likes about to drink it. a lot. Yeah, <laughs> she does like to drink a lot. And it ends up like you get into a fight and she storms out and then you kind of finish up, get the bill, kind of get some more information and then you meet in the parking lot. It's like, oh, okay, I'm over it. Like, I love that about women. Like, we can move past things very quickly that it's not the end of the world. We fought. We've come back. That scene to me just encapsulates what that show kind of is about in a way. So one of my favorite scenes was was the two of us on the bed looking at the pregnancy test. And we had gotten such a shorthand that we can be so physical with each other. And the way that she grabs my face and won't let me turn to look at it, to me, that's something that's really indicative of how you behave when you don't even have your own space anymore because you're such close friends. I love that scene. I love what that scene is. I love us, you know, holding hands, waiting for it, and then 
fielding all the emotions that go along with everything that that is. But to me, that's sort of what friendship feels like right there. What has been one of the toughest things uh, as the actress, Linda, uh, when you're playing her to channel to, to get to her? Her lack of cynicism. She is very present. No matter what is happening, she's very present and earnest in that moment. It may be riddled with deception far layered underneath it, but in that moment, she's right there. So much so that she forgets to be scared sometimes. She forgets to do things for her own best interest. That was something that was challenging to me. I mean, the thing about the role was it scared me because there was so much to do, and she has constantly... Uh, in between being completely present and hiding something. And there was so many things happening all at once. There's so many layers to what is happening at any given moment for Judy. And then it's deeply tragic and also funny. There's so much there. There's so much there to explore that it scared me. And I even called one of my friends. I was like, this thing kind of scares me. Do I do it? Do I not? And she's like, you got to do it if it scares you. And, And that to me sort of is what this year... I'll say this year, even though a lot of the projects that came out this year were filmed way before. You know, they filmed years ago, maybe, some of them. Um, but this year has been about sort of doing things that otherwise might have scared me and just kind of jumping in with both feet and and seeing if I can do it. Do you think that has something to do with turning 40? Uh, I don't think it's necessarily—I mean, maybe I haven't thought of it like that. Or is it just your years in this business? I think it's my years in the business. I think it's like it's years in for me because I've always really wanted someone to be able to sort of look at what I had done and and if they cared to look at what I had done to think, wow, I didn't know she did all these things. These are also, you know, bizarre that she did this thing and then this thing. And, then you know, I wanted it to be sort of all over the map and for somebody someday to sort of look at the map and be like, oh, Wow, that's a lot of she went in a lot of different places. And, you know, to me that was really something that I had been working towards throughout my career and starting to choose roles that were sort of a left turn from the last one. And the idea that any of them have been successful is icing on the cake. That's awesome. Let's start at the beginning. You Oh boy. I just want to take you down. years ago. <laughs> no, let's just start at the beginning okay. a little bit. You uh, you come from a large family. Mm-hmm. You're um for lack of a better word, it's it's average family, nothing crazy is happening, and you decide that you want to be an actress. As far yes. as I could tell, uh, when I was looking you up and, and doing a deep dive, you, you don't have any actors or directors in the family. You're no. not part of the biz in any no. way. No. My brother dabbled in it because he went, once went to a modeling contest and he won, like surprisingly, because he went with his girlfriend. But nobody I had ever known had, was really doing it and making a living at it, and even though I grew up in California, I was in Northern California. And That's another state. Yeah. It, 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 it like really has a different feel. And so, you know, I, my parents are very practical people, and it didn't seem practical to anybody. <laughs> and that's when I always say, like, I, you kind of have to have a tiny bit of a screw loose to think that you can do something that everybody says is impossible. And so I, I happily have that tiny bit of a screw loose. What was it when you were in high school or junior high or wherever it was that you did your first play or saw your first movie or show and said, hey, I want to do that. I think I I think I can do it. Well, my mom was a kid. She worked in a movie theater. So she had seen all every movie of every old movie and she would play them for me. I watched all the Hitchcock movies. I watched Betty Davis. I watched you know, I watched Lon Chaney. I watched all the old wow. movies and I loved them. And I was that kid that wanted to do a show in the front room. And I had brothers who were like, shut up up and get out of here. <laughs> and so nobody cared. And uh, and then when I was in school, uh, I never got picked for the play or anything like that. I went to a small, you know, Catholic school. And 
And we had a new teacher who came in, Mrs. Elmore, and she said, everybody has to sing on this tape and do this thing, and I don't care if you don't like it or, you know, just just try it. And then she called me after class and said, I heard you singing on your on your tape. Would you be interested in the Christmas play? And I thought, oh, I can sing? Like, nobody ever told me I could sing, um, which I can, you know, I can kind of sing. And uh, and so then it was the lead of the Christmas play, which was a big deal in our school. Wow. And then she started a community theater, and I played a little old lady in The Music Man. I was 11, but I looked like I was eight. I always looked crazy young for my age. I... Uh, played the pick a little talk a little lady and I stuffed my bra and I had this crazy hat on and I just <laughs> for whatever reason broke out from that play where people <laughs> where it was it was really fun and I got lots of laugh and a, laughs and applause <laughs> and I thought well this is kind of my jam but I was really um I was really sensitive as a kid I was the most sensitive outwardly sensitive child in my family. And I didn't know what to do with it. And I felt like maybe something was wrong with me, like I was too sensitive. And when I found theater, where somehow, like, my emotions that were originally somewhat embarrassing and made me feel incredibly vulnerable, felt like a strength instead. And it was connected to telling a story. There was activism in it. There was message in it. There was history in it. And it was fun. And it was, and I found like-minded people. And when you came to LA, you chose to go and study it. Because a lot of people just come in and go right to auditioning and don't even consider college or conservatory. Yeah. I mean, there was a huge part of me that wanted to do that. I always wanted to do theater, so I wanted to go to New York. But I was so close to my family that I just, New York felt like a too, too too much too soon. And even when I moved to Los Angeles the first night, you know, I hysterically cried. I missed home so much. And the girl in the bathroom with me was also crying. And then she said, well, why are you crying? And I said, because I, I miss home and it's so stupid because I live in California. And she said, I miss home too, but it's so stupid because I live 30 minutes away. But I wanted to be an actress. And I thought, well, it's either L.A. or New York for that because I hadn't seen anybody doing it out of my hometown. So I ended up at Loyola Marymount in Los Angeles. All right. We have to talk about Freaks and Geeks because yes. I feel like it's only a matter of time before that uh, show is shot up into space in the Library of Congress of pop culture here in America. It is one of those shows that only gains in popularity as time goes by. And I think we've passed the 20-year anniversary. And I remember when I worked at Vanity Fair, we did a giant group shot of everybody. The reunion shot. The reunion yeah. shot. Yeah, yeah. What is some of your favorite memories from that period? Oh, we were just close. We were just close and we loved what we were doing. We took it seriously, but we were excited and we had fun with each other. And it felt like a high school in there. I mean, it started to smell like a high school in there. That set was was so much fun. And the guys who created it were great to us. They they wrote great stories for us. They pushed it constantly. I wonder, is there a world in which we could see where everybody is now. I would love to see what somebody would, you know, what Judd or Paul would come up with. Yeah. Just to see what that would be like because they're so talented. But I don't think you can do it. I really don't. I think the beauty of that was the awkwardness of being that age. You know, it's like a, it's like watching a, a doe try to take its first steps. It's wobbly and sometimes it's brutal and beautiful. And, you know, I think that that was really key to that period in your life. 
And are you still recognized on the street for that? Absolutely. The idea that it's gone on and continues to live on and people still love it, it's amazing. And of course, my kids know you from Scooby-Doo. Yes. Velma was a super left turn from <laughs> Lindsay completely. I, want, I can't remember what my next job was. Well, it may have... have been Legally Blonde. Oh, the Which best. I also loved because she was, you know, spoiler alert, she was the killer. But it just was also broad and angry, but dialed it. I just thought the character was hilarious. It's interesting, all the different zigs and zags I really believe that. Well, you had this spectacular turn in Mad Men. Thank you. And you got an Emmy nom for that. What uh, a show. I love that show. I mean, not talking about being in it, but I just love that show so much. Oh, well, it was great to be in a show you loved, too, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. And such a spectacular part. Yeah, and that, I had no idea what the part was. You know, I went in and I auditioned, and uh, I just had a baby. And I thought, oh, I don't know if, I hope it's, you know, I wonder if it's going to be like a sexy part because I've just had a baby. And uh, and I went in and, and Matt Weiner was was really great to me. And in the middle of it, he said, okay, do it again. And I thought, this is going so poorly is what I thought. And I, and I felt like crying. So I thought, well, I'll just find a way that this character is upset by whatever's happening. Because in real life, I feel like I'm going to start crying right now. So I took the scene and I made it that something. <laughs> I can't remember how I turned it, but I turned the scene into something being very upsetting and it made her cry. And that was really just because I was scared and wanted to cry in the middle <laughs> of the audition because I had done it so many times. Um, which is the fun thing about acting is you take something you're really feeling and you sort of, you know, ascribe it to the to the words. Yeah, so I auditioned for that and I didn't know what the role was. I had no idea. And when I got the first script, she had maybe no line or one line. And Matt said to me, don't worry. There's something really great coming. Don't worry. And uh, and every week I'd, you know, get the script and leaf through and try to see, you know, what was going to happen. And then when I got the, you know, the final couple, I thought, oh, wow, this is great. <laughs> I'm, glad I, I'm glad I stuck it out for this because this is fantastic. It was it a was great a part. slow build up to yeah. her. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, and then you had all the great comedies, you know, the daddy's home. And you did that. That did really, really well. Yeah, that was really fun. And that's how I met Jessica Elbaum, our producer on Dead to Me. Actually, I had met her before that. I had met her on a movie that I did called Welcome to Me. Mm -hmm. I met Jessica on Welcome to Me, which I did with Kristen Wiig, and who's phenomenal. And that was a really fun experience. I really liked Jessica. So let's talk about Dead to Me. When you got the scripts, this is, a, this is just a total rube question. Do you know what's going to happen in the first season when you get that first script? No, I got the first script, which was the pilot. And... I was happy that you figure it out by the end of the pilot. Because, you know, that could have been the whole arc of a mm -hmm. first season of a series. So it was interesting to me to think what was going to come next. Um, and I didn't necessarily realize that it would all be sort of turns and twists. I just thought there would be the first twist in the first episode. And then it would be about their friendship. And, of course, there would be this secret. But I didn't understand that there would always be a lot of different twists and turns, which... As the scripts came out, it just made it so much more fun. It made it such an entertaining way to watch these two women's friendship unfold. Um, and I imagine for an actor, really fun because it's really like fun. you have your character, you know kind of what you're doing, but you get to just delve into different layers, delve into sometimes the comedy or the drama or the trauma, all of it. And the surprise of it, too. You know, the idea that, okay, people are going to think that we're doing one thing and we're going to surprise them with this other thing, too. I loved that. And at first, I was trying to figure out what the tone was. I was trying to put it sort of in its box. Is this a 
comedy? Is it a drama? Is it a dramedy? Is it a, is it very dark? Is it very broad? Is it very simple? Is it very real? You know, and I knew meeting Liz Feldman, who's extraordinary. She's a she's an incredibly bright person and smart and funny and a good person that I was just excited to see where she was going to take it. And and the idea that in the first episode, what I play is different than the second episode. Because on the first episode, you don't know what I know. And I, I, I hope people go back and watch the first episode and see that they that it's there, you know. But to me, that was fun to sort of to, to have that going in terms of performance and, and have those varying levels of where if you watch it again, you will see mm. that there is a recognition. But when you're watching it the first time, you you won't necessarily see it. And to modulate that was really fun. But then going into the second episode, it's different. And the third and the fourth and the fifth. You know, it's different because then the audience is with Judy. Mm-hmm. And not, not, necessarily, like, not necessarily on her side because <laughs> she has well, to we that. also don't know what she's going to do next. Yes. I, I was very surprised by... I was like, oh, here we are. This is going to be the big reveal. And then she reveals something else. And you're yes. like, oh, my God. Yes. Which for me is really fun because it's always on the tip of her tongue. And you're wondering if she's ever going to let it out and how much that tortures her. But at the same time, how she can forget that in an instant and go, you know, carry on okieing with everybody. All right. Let's talk about Ed Asner because that is television royalty. Television royalty. I mean, just let's just start with all of it. I mean, you think of Ed Asner and it's... uh, I think of Lou Grant and obviously, you know, Mary Tyler Moore and all of that stuff. But it was really you and him. that For majority, it's, yeah. yeah, it's him and I. And I just loved the way it was it was written, the idea that that's her confidant. And he fearlessly loves her. He doesn't care what anybody's going to say. And that's the only person Judy has in her life like that. And for it to be Ed Asner, who is, he's so good that he barely has to say anything and you believe everything he's doing. And he's so talented. It was It's a real gift to have him on the show. I thought that was such a lovely bit of casting, and I love that it was Ed Asner. It's so lovely to see an actor like that at his age just doing excellent work, just being right in it. Yeah. There's no small parts. I, I, I really firmly believe that. Oh, he adds everything to it because of, of how he plays it and, and who he is. Um, all right. So I've been asking everybody these questions. So there's no wrong answers to these. It's Whoa. just fun. All right. So what are you eating these days? Well, I just had that cliff bar right there. Um, <laughs> I've been eating whatever I want to, which is not necessarily what, what actors and actresses do. But yeah, I've been sort of just <laughs> on summer break eating whatever I want to. I mean, I once I was talking, I was interviewing Ellen Page, and she had just been to, I think it was like Iowa's County Fair, and I was like, oh my God, Ellen, did you have one of those fried Twinkies? Did you eat that Oreo dipped in, you know, all the stuff that's crazy, the crazy food at the County Fair? And she just deadpanned me. She's like, Krista, I'm an actress. I'm not eating. I was like, oh my God, of course. <laughs> well, we were at the Netflix FYC thing. They offered uh-huh. us food. And everybody else had a salad, and I had the waffles. Uh, all right. What is the last thing you binged on Netflix? Binged on Netflix. Uh, let's see. Oh, Our Planet. That was great. I love that. I want a little sea lion in my house. Oh, God. I when that one's trying those... to make it back to the ice oh, hole. God. It's crazy. I, lo- I love that series. Uh, all right. What are you listening to? What am I listening to? We listen to a lot of Billie Eilish in the house. 
Oh. My daughter likes it. She does? And I do too, yeah. Um, also, I noticed you're on social media, which I started following you after I met you when we were on the that panel, the yes, Rebels yes. and Rebels and Rule Breakers. How do you find it for you and personally and then also for your career? It's clearly an important tool. Um, I am not the best at it. I overthink it. So it <laughs> so but then I just like to put out stuff that like is happening with my job. I like to put that out there. If we do events, I feel like, oh, well, I got all dressed up, so I'll just put that picture out there. And I see, like, with Busy Phillips, she, it's interesting, her social media platform kind of created all these other opportunities for her. Yeah, she's amazing at it. She can do so many different things, though. It's it's a wonderful platform to see all the different things that she can actually do. She's really got a lot of different talents. Are you guys still friends? Yes. Yes, yes. I'm actually going to see her today. <laughs> oh, you are? Yeah. Oh, it's so great. Are you friends with most of the, the peeps in that in that show? I see people every once in a while. Sarah Hagen, who played Millie, I see her. And, uh, and I see Martin every once in a while. And, you know, I'll go back and forth with people, but... It's not every day that I get to see people that I've worked with. Well, but I love it when I do. That's one of the hardest things about this business. I find people have gone; they're gone. They're yeah. in other parts of the world making movies and doing shows. And I love the pop-up community. That's what I feel like it is. It's a pop-up community that happens when you're making something that stands alone in that moment in time, or just the experience of being there with a certain group of people. So when you go back and watch Dead to Me, will you remember what you were thinking when that episode was shooting yes. or that scene? Yes, or I'll remember something that happened or, you know, events surrounding it that you would never know were happening, all that kind of stuff, yes. So it got renewed for a second season. Do you have any idea what's coming down the pike? Because it was a cliffhanger and a really good one. I know a few ideas, but I think it's very early on, you know, and... uh and, you know, I, I, I'm a producer on the show, so I get to know things, which is nice. And uh, so I know a few ideas, and I think they're they're pretty fun. So, Do you get to weigh in a bit? Or? Yeah, if we have something, we can definitely bring it, for sure. And Liz is very open, but she's such an incredible writer. And the show is, is you know, we had a lot of incredible writers and directors and, and the whole cast and crew, everything. She created that tone. She created something that was unusual that nobody else has has done in that same way. So I really trust her, and uh, and I'll throw things out there, and, and sometimes she'll, sometimes she'll enjoy them, and sometimes she'll just shake her head. But no, it's good. We get we get to we get to chime in if we want to, for sure. And but she's so good at it, so I'm not going to mess with it. Dead to Me is streaming now on Netflix. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you've been listening. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. Present Company is produced by Netflix and Gimlet Creative. Join me next time for more meaningful conversations here at Present Company. Present Company.